0: sideways book one awake written and narrated by andy havens if you're enjoying the podcast or you've enjoyed the written book we'd always appreciate a share on your favorite social network that's www.the-side-ways.com thanks for listening chapter six Journey. There was only one garden in the world in which Rain Vernon felt uncomfortable, and this was it. To a mundane or any reckoner from a domain other than earth it would have seemed entirely beautiful. There was a harmony of light, of color, even of sound and movement that drew the eye ever deeper into more delightful details. The stretch of branches, grasses left to grow long, but in waves that seemed almost patterned. Flowers growing by mossy rocks on the banks of a small stream, butterflies and birds, ladybugs, blossoms, all grew in a profusion of beauty that seemed to straddle the line between the wild, untamed state of nature and the ability of an artistic mind to fathom deeper patterns from the chaotic twists of growth. It was all a lie. Its owner, Gareth Ezer, Warden of Increase, was easily the wealthiest man on the planet, though probably only a score of people understood the extent of his riches. As head of what many believed to be the most powerful of the Seven Domains, Gareth balanced the influence of his mundane wealth and the power of his ways in the same way that the garden seemed to balance between nature and art. He was charming and thoughtful, remembered everyone's name after the first meeting, gave fortunes away anonymously to charity every year, and traveled with a staff that was so loyal to him they might as well have been golems created in thrall to the beating of his heart. He had never come close to anything even mildly smelling of scandal. The media loved him because he bought millions in advertising for his nonprofit programs, said truly witty quotable things, and answered their calls personally. He often invited members of the press along with him on fact-finding junkets, opening up his initial brainstorming processes more completely and honestly than any inventor or entrepreneur had ever done before. He was a widower. He had no children. It was rumored that he would leave his entire estate to be split among the orphanages he supported. It was rumored that he had invented fabulous machines and new technology that he kept secret because he believed the world wasn't ready for them yet. It was rumored he was working on a meta-cure for all diseases. Many rumors. All of them the kind you'd want to be true. Gareth oversaw his empire from a house on Long Island that seemed, compared to the others in the neighborhood, about average. It was large, of course, it was in the best part of town, of course, but it could have belonged to any of a hundred financiers, movie producers, pop stars, best-selling authors, or international bankers. From the outside, it was what you'd expect, a mansion for a very, very rich man. The garden, though, was unique. It was beautiful, of course, but Rain knew it had been meticulously crafted, plant by plant, petal by petal, stone by stone, to the exacting demands of a master who needed it to achieve an effect, not to truly be beautiful. True beauty, he knew, depended, as the mundane said, on the eye of the beholder. Therefore the garden was not allowed to be beautiful by any standard open to interpretation. It was instead engineered to appear as beautiful as possible to anyone, while doing nothing to distract the mind with questions of subtlety or interpretation. To a truly knowing eye it was to real gardens what rayon is to silk. Rain sat quietly on a garden chair and waited, He tried to ignore the garden, but in a way he could feel it crying, as it always did, to be free. He didn't wait long. Gareth, true to his nature, kept his word and his appointments. He would never make someone wait in order to see them sweat or emphasize his power over them. That was inefficient. If he needed someone to sweat or to fear him, he would make that happen directly rain stood as the older seeming man strode through the gate and into the garden gareth waved a hand at him a gracious host motioning him to sit back down rain was taken a bit aback as always by how one man could seem both so handsome and wise physically impressive and emotionally healthy all at once he wondered not for the first time if a reckoner from sight might see that as a facade the same way he perceived the true shallowness of the garden Gareth unbuttoned his dark blue sports coat as he sat next to Rain. He wore no tie, as that was the fashion these days. His silver hair was thick and not too wavy, just interesting enough to make you think it was casually combed rather than meticulously groomed. His eyes were a pale grey that seemed interested in everything you had to say. Kind eyes that saw the best in everyone. None of his clothing was absurdly expensive, tailored of course, well-cut, good lines, the finest cloth but nothing ostentatious. Rain had met rich men and women who seemed to want to wear as much of their fortune in exotic animal skins, jewels, and designer puffery as possible. Not Gareth Esser. He wore the best of the least expensive, or the least of the most expensive, clothes that inspire respect, but never envy. Leaning back in his chair, looking around his garden, Gareth seemed to reign like the world's most reliable family banker or lawyer. Someone you'd invest your life savings with, or quit other jobs to work for. Someone who could have been president, had he been more politically inclined, rather than technically and financially. Someone you could befriend, trust, and love without fear. All of which was true, until you became a hindrance to his plans. At which point Gareth Ezzer, through his army of retainers, would bankrupt, scandalize, ruin Harry, and if necessary, murder you, with the same ease used to prune an errant branch in his falsely beautiful garden. If charm got the job done, charm was the tool. Encouragement, inspiration, investment, promotion, all had their place. And if genocide was called for... Well, Rain knew personally of at least four incidents in which Ezra had engineered the deaths of thousands of mundanes. Outside of a very few well-placed reckoners, no one knew how ruthless Ezra could be in the pursuit of his aims. Because, of course, secrecy was a tool, too. And a weapon. Rain, Ezra said, leaning forward, elbows on knees, in a pose that suggested he was confiding in a friend. I heard about what happened in your topiary." Vernon nodded, waiting. Like Ezra, he wouldn't venture information without needing to. I assume, Ezra continued, it was entirely an accident. Rain nodded. As far as I can tell, Gareth, she stopped taking her drugs a few weeks ago, but convinced Lyon and her mother that she was still on them. Ezra nodded, and then somehow she unlocked away. Yes, a transition mold that helped a creature one of my clients sometimes. Ezra waved again, still friendly, but dismissively, as if to say, no matter, no matter, my friend. And then she somehow ended up in the library. Rain nodded again, hoping he wouldn't ask. How on earth did that happen, Rain? Still friendly, just a bit perplexed, concerned, "'still the friendly uncle who wanted only your best. "'One of my green men took her there.' "'Ezra frowned a little. Just a bit. "'Why?' "'Rain paused and gestured at the pitcher of iced tea on the table next to them. Uh, "'May I?' "'Of course,' Ezra said, smiling. "'Help yourself. "'I know you like the raspberry recipe Darlene whips up, "'so I had her make a sum. Uh, "'Thank you much.' "'He needed a moment to think.' So Rain took his time pouring two glasses, the second of which Gareth accepted with a nod of thanks. How much to divulge, he wondered, his mind churning. He'd been agonizing over that question since Edzer had summoned him the day before. If I don't tell him something that he already knows, he'll suspect me of keeping even more from him. But if I tell him something, I don't need to. Best to wrap the truth in a lie, he decided. Rain shrugged, tried to appear somewhat casual. My greenman didn't know what else to do. Obviously, I wouldn't have told him about the girl." Ezra nodded. Of course not. And when he found her in the garden, the greenman had no way to contact me. Not right at that time, and he didn't want someone else to come along and find her there. He knows that my garden is special, but not about— Ezra held up a hand. Of course he didn't know. He already said that. Because no one but you and that human creature of yours know about the girl's condition. Correct. That so-called doctor you have under your spell? the one who first alerted you to the girl and whom you assured me could be relied upon fighting the urge to babble rain simply answered uh, no 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 sir no one else knows just we two the silver-haired man leaned back grinning sir my friend he stood and gestured for rain to follow we are not mundanes we are reckoners we are all of us equal different of course but but equal that is a lie that you know is a lie, and it's a lie you know I don't believe. So why are you even saying it? wondered Rain. Everything you do is towards a purpose. So, Ezra continued, walking the path that wandered around his mansion, Rain in his wake. We have a seemingly random action on the part of the girl, combined with a very unlikely accident, topped off with another random action on the part of the greenman. All of which brings us to a strait that we have been endeavoring, expensively, to avoid for many years. Does that about sum things up?" Rain just nodded. And do you truly think it was all accidental, all random, no efforts put forth on the part of our competitors? By the name of the mother, Rain thought, you do talk like a chronic sometimes. I I think that was, as you say, a set of unlikely events. No hand behind them, no intention. Ezra stopped suddenly, turning towards the other man. Vernon, listen to me. You need to stop being afraid of me and start being afraid of whatever is happening out there. He waved his hand at the messy, disorganized world beyond his garden. You are, as the mundane say, on my team, old friend. And in terms of this circumstance, It is a very small team. I trust you, implicitly and completely. I have no doubt that you would do, and will do, right by me whenever given the choice. You are a wise and powerful friend, and I give you my word that until I see incontrovertible evidence that you have deliberately betrayed me, I will assume nothing but good intentions and hard work on your part. Do you understand? Ezra put a hand on Rain's shoulders, and the look in those gray eyes was so empathic, so friendly, so confident, that Rain simply nodded, knowing that he would, in fact, do everything in his power to keep from disappointing this man. "'Good,' Ezra said, giving his shoulder a brief, firm, friendly squeeze. "'You aren't wrong to be afraid, but truly, we are brothers in this, and your fear should be for our cause, not for your own safety or security.' They had circled the house entirely once as they talked and were back at the benches by the stream. Ezra reached into his coat pocket and took out a sealed envelope, handing it to Rain. I do not believe the events leading to the girl's awakening were an accident, he said, but at this point the cause is somewhat irrelevant. What is important is how we use this new circumstance to our advantage. Rain nodded And looked down at the envelope in his hand, confusion in his eyes. She will come to you, Ezra said. She will have many questions and you know how to answer most of them and how to evade the ones you don't. You will invite her to earth. She may be unconvinced or disappointed in your invitation. When that moment comes and she is ready to leave and seek another domain, give her this. If we had more time I could prepare something deeper, something more attractive and compelling. But this is all we have time for at the moment, a rather blunt instrument. And, uh, that is, Rain was almost afraid to ask, the truth, Ezra replied, turning back to go into the house. Rain watched him go, part of the way to the front door, Ezra bent to dust something off a white rose, spending a minute or so examining the flowers, blowing on them even, to get the lay of the petals just so. Ezra finished, dusted his hands against each other and disappeared into the mansion. Putting the envelope inside his own much less expensive tweed coat, Rain fled that hateful place. Two weeks after the fight in the Parthenon restaurant, and still no one had heard from Kendra. Rain Vernon had called Lane White the day after Kendra's disappearance the day before he was summoned to see Ezra. He told Lane that Kendra hadn't checked in for her gardening duties in two days. Lane told him that she was sorry Kendra hadn't let him know, but that she'd been offered a paid internship for the rest of the summer with a company that did something with computers that she, Lane, didn't really understand. The internship was in Chicago. Lane said that she thought Kendra had told him because she'd said everything was wrapped up and she was fine to leave. Rain didn't push it. Ah, yes, he said. I I do recall that now. Sorry to have bothered you. Three days after that, Dr. Lyon called Lane. Much the same conversation. Lane assured her that Kendra had taken enough medication with her to last the rest of the summer. She'd seen the bottles, made sure herself while helping Kendra to pack. She remembered having a chuckle with Kendra about how, hopefully, the TSA agents who scanned her bags wouldn't think she was a druggie. That's funny, isn't it? asked Lane. The idea of Kendra being a druggie. Dr. Leon agreed that yes, it was funny. Lane didn't sound quite right to her, but then again Lane had never sounded right to her. If you hear from Kendra, she said before hanging up, please have her give me a call. She asked me to find some articles for her, and I can send them to her whenever it's convenient for her. She's checking her email. You should send them to her now, Lane said. You've heard from her, Dr. Leon asked. No, but she always checks her email. Dr. Leone didn't push it. I'll do that. After four days, Rain had Kaolin begin to activate some of the Guardians in his various estates around the country. His creatures, whether made of stone, wood, or water, picked up no scent. After seven days, he expanded his search to other countries, but didn't hope for any more success. He began at ten days to receive requests from Gareth Ezer for daily progress reports. At the two-week mark, Kalen met Rain in the topiary garden to report on the total lack of success. They sat on one of the benches near the brick tunnel. Rain ran his fingers through his hair and wished he'd had more sleep. Kalin, relaxed as most of his kind tended to be, ate a sandwich from a brown paper bag, washed down with Dr. Pepper. "'Nothing at all, then,' repeated Rain. "'Nope,' mumbled the grainman man around a mouth of watercress and corned beef." and no idea who it was her, the female with the wings. Nope. Mercure landed on the ground next to the bench with a soft whoomp that was unexpectedly quiet for a creature of his mass and composition. And your kind? Rain asked. They've heard nothing either. Mercure shook his head with a slight grinding sound. Nope. Rain wasn't sure they weren't making fun of him. It was hard to tell with naturals. Sometimes they were just... odd. Other times their humor ran deeper and colder. Either way, he really didn't care at this point. If we don't find the girl soon, he told them both, Ezra is going to be angry. Merkur grunted, angry. Brrr. Again, Rain wasn't sure if the gargoyle was being flip, if he had really meant to say angrier, or was just repeating what had been said with a growly suffix. Kaolin tossed the last bite of the sandwich to Mercure, who tried to catch it, but managed only to flip it off his nose and onto his back. Watching the stone creature spin in tight circles, trying to retrieve it from his back should have been amusing. Almost it was, anyway. But not quite. You mean, the green man said, that he'll be angry with you? I don't think he gives the air in one breath about me or mine. Rain stood on that for a moment, fighting his frustration. It did no good to get angry at a natural. They did what they did. Very little sentiment, either positive or negative. Almost no resentment or personal ego involved in their decisions. Nevertheless, I still do not understand why you took the girl to the library instead of coming to get me. Kaolin rolled his sandwich bag into a ball, passing it from hand to hand, watching the stone dog. I told you before, the law was unclear. Lacking clarity, I took her to a place where someone could learn more and make a determination. Naturals and the law, Rain shook his head. You precede the law, yet seemed to cling to it more fiercely than any of the houses. Kaelin nodded, still playing with the paper ball. We understand the consequences of lawlessness better than you. We are often the worse harmed by them. Rain knew what he meant, and didn't really even disagree. He'd always known that naturals were hard to read. He'd accepted that when he'd drawn up their original contracts. But it didn't make him feel any less angry. The greenman sensed that and explained further. Despite being in your garden, she did not belong to you. She did not belong to us. I thought of places that were neutral, where someone of the houses could make a determination. If I had given her to the street, you might have been even more angry now. That's very true, Rain thought. Finally, the last bit of sandwich, having been dislodged and consumed, Merkur lay down at Kaolin's feet and fell immediately into a raspy, snoring sleep. Kaolin wiped his hands off on each other, crumpled a lunch bag, put it in a pocket, and leaned back. What now, Rain? Rain shrugged. I honestly don't know. I'd ask Scythe for help, but... Kaolin nodded. The eye, invited, sees more than asked. There are complexities of this business that do not bear that level of scrutiny. If I understood more, maybe I could help more, Kaolin said. If I'd understood that she meant something more to you than a hireling, I could have brought her to you when the librarian called me to retrieve her the next day. I could have kept her out of sight. We could have avoided the blood soldiers entirely then. Except I'm the one who sent the soldiers, thought Rain, as soon as my other eyes told me about the garden. I thought if they grabbed her, you'd be none the wiser. I'd have Kendra back. You'd still have no idea how important she is. And Ezra wouldn't be. He sighed. No use now. I can tell you a little, he went on, but I'm not sure it will help. Kaolin waited, patient as always. Ezra believes that Kendra is in danger, and has been for years. Kaolin frowned. From Who? "'It's a bit unclear,' Rain said, pacing back and forth in front of the bench. "'There was an incident with her mother, Lane White, many years ago, before Kendra was born. "'The loss of her way,' Kalen said. "'Rain stopped, startled. "'You know about that. "'I didn't until last week, when I started watching her as part of the search.' "'And?' "'And what, if you spend any time at all really looking at her, "'you can tell that Lane White was once a reckoner?' "'Maybe if you're a natural.' rain thought how he asked out loud Kalen shrugged again hard to describe mundanes move through most ways without touching them it's like they're not there at all lane she leaves awake rain shook his head i don't understand scrunching up his face a bit kaolin tried again like the drain in a tub it's not just not the tub it's a it's a negative thing the thing that empties the tub The waves don't move through her like she's not there. They part around her as if she was tacking through them like a sailing ship." Mostly to himself, Rain said, "'And nobody noticed this?' "'It's hard to notice,' Kalin replied. "'And who'd look? To us she's a mundane. Why bother?' But I cast a few simple tracking ways around Kendra's room in case she came back. Once when Lane came in to put some clothes on the girl's bed, I was outside the window. She'd triggered one of them, and I wanted to see what was going on. And that's what I saw. And you could tell from that that she'd once been a reckoner? Kaolin shook his head. No, I could only tell that there was something going on. At first I thought it was another's way cast on her, leaving a trail. But as far as I could tell, nothing like that. She leaves no scent of any domain. You sure you'd be able to tell that? Again with the shrug. It was starting to annoy Rain. "'Yes, you should be, too. I mean, you're not a natural, but you're still of Earth. The mark of any other house should ring true to you, even if only a little.' Rain nodded. "'Yes, yes, it does. Usually I, I guess I just don't pay attention much, and I don't get out around other domains very often, either.' Kaolin poked Mirkir with his toe, and the gargoyle grunted softly in his sleep. "'Rain,' the greenman said, "'what does this have to do with Kendra and Ezer?" He believes, replied Rain, that whatever happened to Lane White was deliberate, not an accident, and that someone may try to do it to Kendra, too. Kaelen nodded. The girl told me she'd been on drugs since she was very small, antipsychotics If you started young enough and were raised by mundanes, well, maybe someone has been hiding her her whole life. And what happened here, he gestured at the garden, was part of the plan to more permanently end her way. How much to tell him, Rain wondered. Not too much. Not yet. That sounds plausible, the gardener replied. Kalin stood up and booted Mercure a bit harder. The stone creature opened one eye and stuck out his tongue. I'm going to talk to that junior library clerk boy, the greenman said. Who? The one who was with us when she was taken, Kalin said. I think his name was Warren or Wally or something. He works in the librarian's outer way. I know where he eats lunch. Rain reached out and put a hand on Kalin's arm. We don't want to involve sight. I understand, Kaelin replied. I think I can keep the boy's help off the books. Rain chuckled, so to speak. Kaelin smiled a little. Yeah, so to speak. As the greenman headed for the brick tunnel and out of the garden, Rain called after him. You think he can help find her? Kalin turned back. I think he knows more than he thinks he does. Kaolin left the garden, Mirkir trailing behind him, shaking his stone wings and stamping a bit. And Rain was left to wonder, how can two creatures in the same domain see the world so differently? Had Kaolin heard the question, he would have answered, You live in the world. I am the world.